Hello everybody, this is Here Comes the Spider-Cast number 6 covering Spider-Man comics in December 1980. I am your co-host Mike L and I'm joined by... Uh, Josh Murr and today we're going to be starting off with The Amazing Spider-Man number 211. Um, right. And in this story, we see Spider-Man uh, helping out Deb Whitman's uncle. Uh, <laughs> he, he is bringing some equipment out to the ocean where he has a run-in with the Submariner. Right. Submariner, um, technically the first Marvel superhero. Right. Right. Isn't that exciting? And, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of nice to see uh, Spidey and, and Submariner team up again. Mm-hmm. And it, it always kind of seems like the Submariner is like this always rides the edge of being a bad guy and a good guy. Totally. Yep. So it, it's, it's always fun when he shows up and kind of causes trouble for, for everyone. Sure. Uh, yeah. I did think he was a little bit out of character in this comic, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that all in all, this comic was pretty solid. Okay. Um, the art was pretty good. Uh, the story, again, was pretty basic, but it kind of had all of the beats of a comic book story, especially a, a Spider-Man one. So I thought that, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so written by, uh, you know, it's funny. Where are the credits in this thing? Does it have credits? I, I was just going to say that. There are no credits in this one. This one is written by Denny O'Neill. As usual, and, yep. And... Uh, in as uh drawn by john romita jr and inked by jim mooney whom i yes. love um so is, i think yeah. the the art in this one is is very solid I right really, absolutely really love the art in this one and like jim mooney is i've never heard anyone talk about him but um we've mentioned him before he's a classic mm-hmm. dc artist he did um mainly Supergirl, he had a run on Ghost Rider, and then here he is, he had a lot of sort of sporadic work on Spider-Man around this time, but he gives the book a really classic feel, um, especially in the, I've always noticed the eyes. Mm-hmm. He draws eyes really well, and obviously with John Romita Jr. early on in his career, yeah, the art is totally solid, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is, uh, you know, it's been done before with Submariner, he sort of gets... Um, um, something goes wrong with humans, um, sort of pissing in his cornflakes. And so he kind of wants to kill everybody again. Right. <laughs> it's definitely not, yeah, it's definitely not bad, but, um, I don't know. Not, yeah, not I, spectacular. I, I feel the same, same way. Like it's like, yeah, this mm. is, uh, this is what I would expect from a comic book. Like it, it feels like a comic book story and it yeah, kind of has all the could... beats of a, of a Peter Parker story as well. Yeah, a little bit generic, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Spidey is an asshole again in this comic. Yeah, okay? yeah, he kind of um, is. I wrote this down. Um, well, we oh, we start we start off with him kind of uh, being a little bit of a jerk too, with like his neighbor who's playing music. I mean, I guess rightfully so. I think if <laughs> if somebody was singing at the top of their lungs at one a.m., I'd be a little ticked right. off too, but. Uh, he leaves and kind of. Sorry. It just it just doesn't seem very Peter Parkerish the way he handles yeah. it, eh? Yeah, like yeah. banging on the wall and you can see that yeah. that like it actually breaks, like the dr- drywall is busted a bit. Yeah, 
and he he's has the white like guy really that punches nasty... drywall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's the <laughs> resident Kyle of this comic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yep. But then and then after that, we get a pretty funny gag. I thought with him being so tired that he like leaves his pants on and he jumps out the window. It's, uh, it's yeah, cute, I guess. Good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's like a, that's like but, almost like a Woody Allen gag or something. But anyway, right, right. But yeah, and then so I, I noticed the last time we talked about Spidey kind of being out of character and a jerk was mm-hmm. also when Deb asked her asked him to help out her uncle, and then yes. now again he he finally shows up. He's like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll do this. So yeah, I know. It's so de- what is this? I got nothing better to yeah. do. Uh, okay, sure. Uh-huh. He gets there. He's like, nah, sorry, that's not my problem. Ocean? No, uh. I ain't dealing with that. And then leaves and like totally brushes brushes this guy off like he did with Dev. It just feels so out of character and weird. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it's like Denny O'Neill. I don't know. Um, I mean, I know he's got this reputation for being, for being this great writer, but he really messed up Wonder Woman. He didn't do a great job on Superman, and now he's kind of screwing up Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It just I just really question his reputation, you know? Right. Like right here at the bottom of page seven. Sorry, but it's not my kind of problem. You're, ta- you're talking deep blue sea, and I'm strictly a city boy. Good luck and goodbye. What? Yeah, That's it's Spider-Man? so weird. It, it's also like it would be different, too, if maybe he was nice about it or if like they came up with another reason why he couldn't do it because then right. later on you have that talk with with aunt may and he realizes that you know what he does need to do this because he has the you know the ability to do it and if he doesn't mm-hmm. try then he'll never know if he could have done something to to help out which right. is a really good mm-hmm. plot point i think like a really good kind of beat in the story where they can kind of teach a lesson but mm-hmm. it took Spidey being a jerk to do it. So it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they're going back to the amazing fantasy, you know, the origin of Spider-Man. Right. Where he was a he... dick dick to that whatever it was, business organizer. But it's like, no, no, no. He's already gotten past that. He doesn't act that way anymore. That's exactly. the whole point. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's like we're regressing him. It doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> yeah. So, and, and it's kind of funny because then he ends up kind of, in a roundabout way helping out, but it's kind of weird the way he does it. Um, mm-hmm. Going back and um, sort of offering to help these guys, but it's just kind of strange the way it all happens. Um, right. Like uh, sh- showing off by lifting up these boxes and... Yeah, I yeah, I was going to say that too. Like even the way he does help out, he's kind of still a jerk. Like yeah. he, he shows up and starts showing off and kind of like... yeah. Like, Forget oh, these losers, Mr. Whitney. Yeah. We can run the operation ourselves and won't even ask for a salary, much less blood money. Anyway, it's weird stuff. Yeah. but yeah, And then after that, we get some fun action with uh, Submariner and, and Spidey. And um, I really love uh, on page 22 of the Digital 21 of, of the original, uh, we have this really great uh, page with Spidey and uh, Submariner wrestling with right. each other and the top right corner that mm-hmm. panel like it's a it's a really dramatic like greenish yellow yep. lit panel of the submariner's face and he's very serious and shot mm-hmm. like appalled and it's such a great panel i thought and then right after that you get spidey's response and he's kind of like uh you know trying to reason with him i thought it was mm-hmm. really good 
Yeah. Where they had a lot of uh, great art in this last end bit, for yeah, so sure. It's almost like a little bit of, uh, um, you know, it's addressing pollution with like, this new doohickey that they have that they want to use. But mm-hmm. basically, Submariner's explaining to them, to, to him, that it's actually going to cause more harm than it's going to prevent. And so Spidey says, this gizmo is supposed to supply power for our needs, not louse up yours. And so <laughs> right. basically he realizes that Submariner was kind of wrong, or that Submariner was right and he was kind of wrong. And so, you know, they kind of it's kind of like a done-in-one story. And, uh, mm-hmm. whole, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's a nice little story, um, the way it gets resolved. It's not as quick as um, Denny O'Neill has been doing in other stories. Right. But it is kind of weird. I... I'm always puzzled by these stories where it's like, okay, so the story's over, it kind of ends, and then Submariner's flying away, and then there's this final panel of Spider-Man scratching, and he's like, yeah, first though, you got anything for an itch that just won't quit? Like, did that come from somewhere? Was that set up? Like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, he, he remember, uh, he picks up the barrel and crushes it or something in the, uh, when he first goes to see uh, Deb's uncle, okay, he beats yeah. up those thugs. And sure. they smash a barrel on him, and it's full of brine water, and he's itchy oh. from then on out. I didn't even notice that. Where was yeah. that? Okay. Uh, let me let me find what page okay. that is. Okay, then that's that's all on me because I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's page oh, right. gotcha. uh, yep. eight of the digital. Yeah. See, I didn't know what that is. What is brine water? I I think it's just ocean water. I think. Oh, just like salt. Okay. Like salty, like water with creatures living in it i guess i don't know gotcha I'm not sure. okay i'm looking i'm googling right now right it, it's it's uh yeah it's a high concentration of uh salt in water okay okay <laughs> anyway so so, yeah. so kind of uh again it's like yeah not, definitely not a bad issue and i think the art really saves it because it mm-hmm. gives it that classic feel but when you kind of get to the end of the story you kind of just yeah, you know, nothing really, not to say it has to change, but you're not really, you don't really learn anything new. It, nothing really changes. It's kind of just status quo. Yeah. And, and the thing about Submariner 2 is that I think what I feel about his character is, I don't know if this is good or bad, but in Marvel, it seems like whenever you touch base with a character, they're kind of always in the middle of something, right? Because they've they've, they've usually got their own series going on. And so you're, you're sort of catching up with them while they're in the middle of something something's going mm-hmm. on but in this story it just feels like generic submariner like yeah it's like there's nothing specific like this could have been a 1962 submariner 72 82 it doesn't matter you know mm-hmm. no for so sure for yeah for that it's a little bit generic like an episode of like a cartoon or yeah something, you know? yeah i can feel that and, and especially um uh, contrasted with with uh, an issue we're going to be reviewing in a little bit with marvel team up when he runs into mm. Fantastic Four. Yes, They're yes, kind of exactly. in the middle of this, like, fancy, like, get-together with a bunch of rich people. Right, So, so right, you kind right. of get an idea of what the, where they're at at that time. Right, right, right. So. So, yeah, overall, not, not a spectacular issue. Not an amazing issue, but right. definitely <laughs> decent. The art makes it good. So, I would give it, mm, I don't know, five-ish yeah maybe six out of ten i was gonna say i think i'd do is i think the art itself would bump it up to a six for me like sure. five would be just average like it's you know yeah it's, it's a comic book like it's a spidey story but i think uh-huh. just the art would bump it up to a six where i think it's just a little bit above average sure yeah absolutely for me, so yeah okay. and then next we're going to be talking about uh 
Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 49? All right, sure. All right. So this was my favorite of the bunch. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, um, as usual, I love Roger Stern. Like, it, it just feels like the richest story, the most thought was put into it. You know, um, you're really you're getting a lot of Spider-Man's, um, you know, supporting cast. And I don't know. I mean, the art doesn't quite have the classic feel of the other ones. Right. I was going to say that. Like, it does kind of feel... It's weird, though, because it's penciled by Jim Mooney, who inked the other which one. Which is weird, I right? Love. Yeah. Yeah. But it's inked by Bruce Patterson, who I only know, I think, from Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman reboot from 87. Okay. But it, maybe it's the inks that just make it look a little bit less classic. But if you just, even if you just go to like, you know, it's got a nice big splash page, which I love. And then mm-hmm. if you go to the second page, you can see it's got that classic... I guess it's more of a DC style, but if you can see like the shot of the guy walking in mm-hmm. and talking and back and forth and, um, you know, it's very, um, I mean, it's, it's not Kirby-esque. It's definitely DC-esque, right. but I still, it's very clear and concise and easy to follow. And I don't know, I really like it. Yeah. I definitely noted that like a lot of the, this beginning, there's a lot mm. of detail in the city. Right. Like, which, right. I mean, even just the sets alone, like right mm-hmm. from, from, you know, the first few pages of them in the office and then mm-hmm. walking down the steps of the building and like yes. walking around the park and then even like running through the alleys and everything and the, mm-hmm. you know, wide shots of the the entire city. It's, it's just a lot of detail I thought that was put into well, this, yeah, which is not normally something that's uh, important in the, in Marvel comics. Well, and you remember the the was it last month we did the Craven story, and we were talking about yes. how some of the backgrounds had no or there was no backgrounds, and like the whenever they'd be in a wide shot, it, it wouldn't look right. They'd be mm-hmm. right, it'd be awkward. But in this, um, you can see like even just on page digital page four, which is original three, mm-hmm. um, like look at the detail of the cityscape, like you yeah. said, and the alley, and like everything is in its right place and. It's just I don't know like it doesn't and it's not just a matter of like filling in detail it's a matter of it feels right. like they're walking in a real environment you know, yeah and in, you can you can like see what's happening you can follow the action just by right. um, the set alone like you know where they are in the set mm-hmm. it's not this kind of right. ambiguous white room with white floors and white walls great, and nothing great point yeah yep. he knows exactly the geography of the sets that he's in yeah like whether it's an office or a street or whatever right yeah, right and, and, it, and it almost makes you wonder if if they did put that much thought into it where they you know drew a little sketch of of exactly where they would be and plotted sure. that out because it, it is that well done you know what's funny you should mention that is that there's a, there's a scene in the comic where Spider-Man is riding on top of a van. We'll get to the story in a minute. Right. But there's a point where he actually comments. Darn it. Where is it? Where he, where he actually it's page, says. Page, digital page six. Okay. Where he actually says. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? What he says. Oh, crap. Oh, because For, we're entering an area where the buildings are farther apart. Harder to swing from. Right. I think that's great because any other Spider-Man story you know, he just swings he would just swing forever. Through. Yeah, yeah. Like in the old Spider-Man cartoon, he's swinging above the buildings. You know, yeah. he's swinging across the river. What does he attach himself to? But in this, they actually put the thought into it 
because this is probably an exact street in New York. And so it was just cool that they actually incorporated that into the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought yeah, that was they, great. They kind of almost gave him new problems because that doesn't really come up very often for Spider-Man. I mean, right down to the not being able to swing. And then like it was kind of goofy in the story the way it happened. But it was still mm-hmm. kind of nice to have another uh, obstacle. But when he's right. trying to throw the tracker onto the van and it hits the bird. Yes, like I love, it, exactly. It's, it's goofy, but it, I don't know why it, it worked for me because it was totally. just kind of like adding to like another thing that would just pop up to stop him. Right. You, I noticed that too. It's like a, another little obstacle because mm-hmm. why does like things should not always go right, especially for Spider-Man, right? Right. Yeah, those little things really add up. So this was kind of a weird story. Yeah. Um, so he's hanging out with his buddy... Phil, who's um who's Asian American, and <laughs> they're walking down the street, and then this guy, <laughs> Phil, looks over and he says, "That guy, that's Tommy Lee. He's a member of the White Dragon Gangs." And then and then there's a thought bubble. Uh oh, I've been spotted. And then the next panel, the guy is just he's he's kind of just trotting away. Right. And then we get a gigantic speech where the guy goes, "The White Dragon and his gangs had all of Chinatown terrorized." And then it goes on and on. Okay, first of all, on and if you on saw, and on. yeah, he's like ten feet away from it. If you saw a member of a gang, is that really what you'd be doing? Yeah, is scream. You know what I mean? You'd be and running point for to cover. Him. Yeah, gang member, gang yeah. member. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. And also, and like, he, they, they want to do this whole chase scene where they're chasing him down, but he stops to to give Peter this monologue about this yeah. gang, which is hilarious, yeah. which means this guy must have been really walking away slowly. <laughs> I know, eh? Because they, they, sh- they, they show the next panel, and the time it took him to give that huge speech, mm-hmm. they, they've gotten, like, two feet. You know what I mean? Like, they've only walked right. a distance of two feet, and the guy's still right in front of them. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's a full four bubbles. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and at one point he says, come on, Pete, I once took a vow never to raise my fist in anger, but I can still grab that guy and hold him until the police can be called. <laughs> Ridiculous. But you know what? It, it might just be a matter of uh, the art doesn't quite match the writing. Like we're, right. maybe the writer, was uh, Roger Stern, was thinking, okay, well, this guy is going to be like, you know, 80 feet away running as fast as he can. But the way that he's drawn, it just it just looks like a little trot, right? Right. So uh, you know, that could be it. I think the only problem I had with the art and staging in this comic was uh-huh. on this page, on page uh, Digital 4, with okay. when Peter Parker is climbing up the wall. Okay. It looks like there should be no reason why his friend wouldn't see him. Doesn't – yeah. Because I, I guess – He's standing – he's like climbing up the corner of the building and he's definitely standing next to the building. It's not like he's past it, right? Yeah. This is the only you know wh- moment where I was like, what is happening? Why is Peter giving this away? And then I, I read the next panel like, oh, where'd he go? I'm like, wait, you didn't notice that? I think the only <laughs> thing I can say is that if you were walking down the street and, and you were with your friend and they disappeared, you wouldn't think to look up because you'd never True. assume they climbed up a building, right? So right. that could be the reason. <laughs> But um, but yeah. So then he goes on this chase, and then it gets even weirder because then this gang member ends up contacting a guy who's in a helicopter, who's right. also, I guess, part of this gang, right? Or he works with them or whatever. And so they have this weird chasing where Spider-Man is jumping on top of these uh, cars and vans and stuff, and and then it kind of cuts over, and so we reveal the the kind of mastermind behind the whole thing. 
uh, this character called the Smuggler, mm-hmm. who I only came across before in the Marvel Universe, and I guess he used to be called... He was another character called Power Man, and he fought oh, okay. Luke Cage Power Man. Yeah, he fought Luke Cage when he was called Power Man. They were both called Power Man. And then because he lost the fight, apparently he wasn't allowed to be called Power Man anymore, so now he's called the Smuggler. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was curious as to like what his deal was, because he doesn't have any powers, right? Well, I think I, he's. He, I think he's strong, but I'm not sure. Okay, because I think he, there's even a line in here where he says, uh, "Well, at least I have some power of my own." If Spider-Man messes around with me, he's going to get stopped. He's going to get uh, stepped on. But then they don't show his powers. Like I get. I mean, uh-huh. maybe he has like super like. Stamina, because because he, he, Spider-Man notes that he gets knocked down and then, um, well, just I'm, kind I'm of jumps right up. back up. I'm gonna look him up quick here. Oh, apparently he was also another Goliath. Oh, interesting. There's, there's, there's like three Goliaths. There's like Goliath, Black Goliath, and this Goliath. I forgot right. about that. And then they, later he became At- Atlas. Right. Anyway. It didn't Clint Barton become Goliath at one point too. Yes, you're right. So he, this guy's like Goliath three, yeah. and then there's plus Black Goliath. Okay, so I guess so. Other so obviously he had the pin particles, but other than that, I guess n- I don't think he had anything other than. Oh, look at this. Okay, so when he was Goliath, he was super strong, but other than that, I don't think he had anything. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway. Yeah, so I like, I've always liked his color scheme, though. He's got a cool costume. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Almost like a shocker kind of color scheme. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, you know, um, you know, it's funny because I did really enjoy this, but re- re- like kind of looking at it again, I realized the story is a little bit, I guess, hokey. But I did enjoy it when I was reading it, you know? Yeah, I, I think that this one was... Like, the story I wasn't a huge fan of while reading. Okay. I, but, like, only the Spider-Man part of it. I, okay. I really kind of liked the White Tiger half. Okay. Um. Oh, the, oh, the white, the backup story. Right. Okay, um, which, yeah. So, so the backup story, I, I think I normally would have really, really liked it. But. Sure. It was narrated the whole time. Which. Yeah. Narration isn't always well i'm not a big fan of narration but if you're going to start off a story with a narration and then fade into showing us what happened rather than sure continuing that narration i think it works better so the first little like the first half of this was kind of mixed i'd say then at the end it kind of got better with white tiger when especially when he shows up at the end well, we should point out that it's it's very unusual at this time to have a, a backup story. But and I didn't even know this was coming. But yeah, this issue has a backup story by Roger Stern. Mm-hmm. And let me just see the art here is Dennis uh, Dennis Cowan, who is kind of most famous for doing. He did um, what was it? Uh, the Question in the late eighties, and he also ended up being a okay. founding member of Milestone Media. Do you remember Milestone? No, actually, it was a bit. It was a DC sort of uh, imprint, but it was partially creator-owned, and they're the ones that ended up creating a bunch of superheroes, but they're all black, oh, like okay, African American. Cool. And one of them, the most famous one, was Static Shock. Okay, 
which they turned into a cartoon right. and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, Dennis Cowan was one of the, the big, the, the founding members or whatever. And so, yeah, the art is definitely decent. The writing's mm-hmm. decent. It's just that I it kind of came out of nowhere. And it's also odd because in the um, splash page, it says, Stan Lee presents a bold new miniseries. And this is not a miniseries. It's a backup, right? right. So I wonder if this was created as a miniseries and then they killed it and then just thought, oh, we'll just use it to fill a few pages in the Maybe. back of Spider-Man. You know? yeah. yeah. And it, it, do you know if... if this is something that's going to like. It, it, I assume that White Tiger is going to appear in the next Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man. I assume like th- um, that, that would yeah. be the reason to add something like this. Oh, you mean like coming to the main story? Right. Mm, I don't know because I haven't okay. looked that far ahead. I have no okay. idea. Yeah. So we shall see. That's a mystery. Yeah. But um, I, but I did want to point out that um, as far as the main story, it ends on a absolute non-cliffhanger if you remember they've been right. fighting for a few pages and then spite like spider-man just holds him up in the air and then he said he's thinking to himself great move spidey but what next i can't keep the spug the smuggler at arm's length forever but if i put him down the fight will start all over again what's even more eventually the strand of webbing will break down and he'll be free nuts i've got the smuggler right but what do i do with him that's the cliffhanger not it's, very strong it's so goofy like yeah. In that last panel, Spider-Man's got his like arm all the way up and he's holding up the smuggler and he right. the smuggler's kind of like on his back and his arms and legs are flailing around like a mm. like a turtle that's <laughs> been flipped around and can't yep. flip himself back like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I'm tempted to flip silly. ahead and to the next issue and see what happens, but I'm going to wait until next week cuz I right. don't want to spoil it. Um, so yeah, I guess you know what I'll, I'll I'll agree. It's not a great story, but I mm-hmm. still I think there was a lot more thought put into this story than in the amazing story. Sure, yeah. So yeah, for that I'm still gonna give this a seven out of ten. I think it's pretty good. I think okay. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, All right. I guess that we'll leaves move us on. with yeah Marvel team up number one hundred. Yeah. Uh, this was written by Chris Claremont, and we have. Uh, Frank Miller and Bob Wykek. Uh, Wysek? yeah. What, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but Wykek or right. Wysek. But he's, yeah, he's usually an inker as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so this I w- went. Yeah, I yeah, uh, I was expecting a lot because that annual, that other annual was so good. The one by right. Frank Miller, not quite as good. What did you think? No, and you know what? I thought that it started off so strong too. Mm-hmm. I was really a fan of how it was it was going. I thought that the first few pages were just great. It starts off with a fun mm-hmm. uh, splash page, and then the next page it has these like five panels, mm-hmm. and they go they're completely vertical. They go from the top to the bottom of the page, and right. it's just and the next page is also five vertical uh, uh, panels, panels, and it's just. Yep. It's so, I thought it was so great to start off this story with kind of like some action and some suspense and introducing you mm-hmm. to this new character that's kind of intimidating and you're wondering where this is going to go. Uh, you're introduced to Karma, which is a new right. character uh, who's being introduced in, in the M- in Marvel Comics. And right. uh, she is trying to con- like mind control Spider-Man and it's kind of this right. struggle and fight fight within his brain. And mm. she's just so menacing while she's like at the edge of this building in shadow 
And right. like you can see this kind of like uh this blue like spark coming from behind her as she's using mm-hmm. her mind control on him and he's gripping onto the building and sliding down and Right. They really yep. make great use of the the vertical tall panels because Spider-Man's holding onto the edge and then the next panel is like these finger marks all the way down and you just kind of right. see his hands at the bottom and you can tell he's he's really struggling it's sliding all the way down and losing this fight. And yep. yeah, I just I really really enjoyed uh the beginning of this and was you right. know really optimistic going in and then um you have the classic uh, hero kind of misunderstanding another hero and they have mm-hmm. to fight each other which mm-hmm. is kind of a superhero comic trope in itself mm-hmm. uh, I don't know like we've read tons of comics just in this series alone where two heroes meet and they f- <laughs> they fight each other of course. when they first meet and they realize oh we shouldn't be fighting we're friends oh I didn't realize mm-hmm. well yeah and you're talking about the FF at this point right, right. where he runs into the FF yeah so and so, just so in case anyone doesn't know, Karma ends up um, becoming a founding member of the New Mutants, right? And is initially their sort of their leader, and then it's really weird because I recently reread those first um, couple years of uh, New Mutant stories, and she kind of disappears and then never really comes back again. Like she really? definitely comes back, but she's just marginalized. Yeah, like she comes back sporadically. Hmm. And kind of just, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird way to handle the character. But it was just, um, I, I got to give Chris Claremont props because, um, you know, even b- as early as um, the late 70s and early 90s, he was, at that point, uh, Storm was the leader of the X-Men, a, mm-hmm. a black, you know, African woman. And you had the leader of the, the New Mutants was a Vietnamese woman. And then when she left... You know, people usually remember Cannonball as the leader of the New Mutants, but at the time he was co-leader with um, Mirage, right? Who was a indigenous indigenous person, mm-hmm. indigenous woman. So it's kind of interesting, you know, something different. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So anyway, interesting character. Uh, so the premise of Karma, we learn is that she. Oh boy, this is complicated. So she has like a twin brother that has the same powers as her, right? And they kind of battle it out and. Karma's really only using Spider-Man to save her little brother and sister. Right. Um, who are being kept by her twin brother. So right. the only reason uh, Spider-Man is being mind controlled at all is so that he can go in there. She can use him to go in there and save her brother and sister. Right. And it's a very detailed backstory that we get mm-hmm. um drawn by it's drawn by frank miller in a in a strange kind of it's a style it's um a little bit more abstract uh it's more like shadowy yeah. kind of similar to almost what he did in sin city but also what he the style he used in um what was it called ronin so uh kind of right. interesting you know way to contrast it yeah with the present day stuff it, that it was almost cool. looks like a chalk kind of style like right like yeah. if, if it was drawn in chalk and then like scanned or xerox or something into uh the to to make copies of it right right but yeah so i yeah, thought this definitely was cool. really cool yeah and the thing is is frank miller has teamed up with chris claremont in other stories um their most famous collaboration was probably the wolverine miniseries have you read that 
No, I don't believe I have. Oh my God, it is excellent. Okay. Really? Okay. It could. It, oh, it's so good. It could be Chris Claremont's finest hour. Like the writing's great. Like I believe that's the comic where Wolverine got his famous catchphrase i'm the best there is at what i do right what i do isn't very nice you know like oh it's so good it's the basis for the second wolverine movie the wolverine okay unfortunately they completely messed up the ending but you know still but a highly recommended story and um in any case so i did expect more from this but it just didn't seem to click yeah it had a lot of really great elements but it didn't fit together very well and i think i think a lot of that has to do with the ending um i think with having spidey fight the fantastic four again right just didn't work because i I was just we we just saw it we just kind of went through the same thing and i definitely would have rather have seen a battle between karma and her brother and kind of see see you know that kind of dynamic and have her mm. end up solving the issue which she she die she does come in and save them but in a very anticlimactic way i'd say right and kind of a a weird ending with her absorbing her brother into yeah like more power for herself and she kind of has like a yin yang um mm-hmm. thing going on so yeah, I think that there there are some really great, interesting characters that were introduced. Some fantastic art with a great backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some some fun stuff with Spidey and Fantastic Four, and it mm-hmm. seems like it would be something that would work so well. But I, for some reason, it just kind of doesn't end up sticking the landing at the end. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, not nearly as enjoyable mm-hmm. as that other Frank Miller issue we did. Right. Um, and I mean, talk, however, ab- talk about oh, Spidey oh. not acting like Spidey too. He smashes yeah. through a church window and starts beating up a priest. <laughs> like, what the hell yeah. is going um, on? I don't know if that was Frank Miller's influence <laughs> or what. Yeah. Yeah, it I'm was sure weird. Was there. Um. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, a weird issue. But again, funny enough, this one also has a backup story. Yeah. Um, also, is this one by... Yeah, this is Chris Claremont and John Byrne, mm-hmm. who, of course, are famous for their lengthy run on Uncanny X-Men that included the Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past. I'm assuming you've read that? Yes. Okay. So this is around the same time. Um, and this is basically covering... Uh, this is, I believe, the first time that we find out that Storm and Black Panther knew each other back in Africa. Because, as you know, um, all black people know each other, especially <laughs> in a continent that's bigger than, you know, Europe, China, and the United States combined. Right. But whatever. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, you know what? Actually, I want to comment on the art because I'm not a huge fan of Chris Claremont, but this is his early style that's probably my favorite era. Right. And it's inked by Bob McLeod who is a great mm-hmm. inker, and I'm, not, and I'm not just saying that because he's my Facebook friend, but the <laughs> inking is is excellent, and it really gives it a nice polish, you know? Yeah, there's some really like, great shadow uh, panels, yep. with, like some great shadowing, um, particularly when Black Panther first uh, is shown in his costume uh, when T'Challa walk, walks out through the curtain. Right. He's got this like fun shadow over top of his face, and then yep. uh, the next page when they're when they first see the robot and they open the door, like there's some really great stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And also um, on, on digital page, um, what is this, 33, mm -hmm. I just love the texture of the, I guess it's like the wind and the, the right. energy from storm. It's just really, really polished. You know, like a lot of time was put into this. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it, it shows. I really like the, the contrast, too, of the, the lightning. There's kind of like a lot of detail and line work in, like, the clouds and the wind. Yep. And then the lightning is, like, some solid lines with uh, blank space in between them. So you can really sure. kind of have that contrast between the lightning and the storm clouds. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, now, unfortunately, this story was used to justify – I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but – it was in the mid-2000s that they ended up marrying off Storm and Black right. Panther. yes. Which, again, uh, you know, Marvel's only got a few really prominent black superheroes. Do we really have to marry off two of them, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of irritating. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the story itself, but um, I, I guess not essential reading for me, but it was at least cool because it was Claremont Burn and mm -hmm. the, again, Bomb Cloud really polishing up those pencils. So right. it was definitely a decent read, just not great. Yeah. I think it felt really out of place to paired with this story. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe that's why I was kind of thrown off a little bit by this, but yeah, it definitely wasn't bad by any means. It was just kind of, yeah, I just thrown off a little bit by it. <laughs> right. Right. Like I'm not sure what it was doing here. Yeah, and, and it was definitely um, more of a, a serious tone compared right. to the Fantastic Four Spider-Man team-up. Right. I mean, even at the end when they defeat the robot, they go into the room and, and the guy that was controlling it is sitting there dead. Yeah. And, and like they, they kind of – they show him a few times and he, they, they comment on it. So I it's guess just, in a way – yeah, it's good because it's unexpected. Right. But other than that, not great. Yeah. So, um, a strange issue of uh, Marvel Team Up. Yeah. Not, not great. Um, yeah, unfortunately, like, I mean, I've always been on the fence about Claremont. Um, and this issue is definitely a question, of questionable quality. Right. So, I don't know what to give this one. I mean, I guess I can give it a five. Yeah. Um, like obviously the art stands out in both stories the art stands mm -hmm. out but the writing in both is sub subpar I think. yeah and i i wonder too if maybe it was the fact that they had extra pages and extra time to tell the story so they sure. stretched it stretch it out to be longer than it had to be that could totally because there be does yep. seem like there's a lot of filler and a lot of unneeded stuff in um mm -hmm. team up number 100 right and but, the first story is 31 pages. I think at this point, most stories were 22. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there's like 10 pages of filler. Right. They could have easily cut out the fight with the FF and Spidey, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't need that at all. Yeah. So, ugh. yeah, not a great issue. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, Claremont and Byrne actually had a really long run on Marvel Team-Up as well. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, like 30 issues, I believe. Ooh. I could be wrong about that, but, yeah, nice long run. Unfortunately, it's... It ended before our, you know, cutoff point. So right. we'll have to get around to that when we do our, our sequel Spidey uh, Spider cast. But whatever. Yeah. That, that's that's a few years away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, that's pretty much it. That wraps up um, this month. Uh, overall, kind of a strange month. Um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, like we, we kind of are in between writers on Marvel Team Up, right? Because we were, we had Stephen Grant and then we're moving towards, I think, Tom DeFalco. Uh, Danny O'Neill is in the middle of kind of a, his weird run on Amazing. And mm-hmm. then Peter Parker, kind of a, I guess for Roger Stern's typical standards, it's not a great Roger Stern issue, right? Yeah. So overall, a strange month for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And next week, we will be covering Amazing Spider-Man 212 featuring Hydro-Man, Marvel Team-Up number 101 with Spider-Man and Nighthawk, which I'm really looking forward to, and Spectacular Spider-Man number 50, Alone Against the Aliens. Yeah, and that's going to be January of 1981. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we finished up 1980. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be next Monday. Here comes the spider cast and um, what else? Write us, share it. Yeah. Share, yeah. The, share the videos. Uh, find, tell them what to do. Yeah, find us at Comic Book Syndicate on Facebook or you can also find us at Comic Syndicate on Twitter. And yeah, let us know what you think of the episode, about the issues. Uh, we'd like to keep that conversation going so we definitely want to hear from you. All right, we will see you again next week on Here Comes the Spider Cast.